0: When I feel like my mind is filling up or feels like there's a lot going on, what am I hearing? What am I really hearing in the whispers here? Because there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of distraction. But if you really just still the mind long enough, we know which path to take. We just need to listen.
1: Hello, my friend. Welcome. Before we dive in today, I just want to offer you something. Here's what it is. What if you could start every Monday morning with an easy but powerful thought experiment designed to turbocharge your communication and executive presence? What if you could turbocharge your communication and executive presence on a weekly basis for free? Well, that is what you will get when you sign up for my weekly newsletter. Just head to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And Bronwyn is spelled B-R-O-N-W-Y-N. Communications, all spelled out, .com forward slash subscribe. And as a bonus, at the end of each month, I do a favorite things roundup of stuff I'm into, like books, articles, podcasts, and even some retail therapy moments. Anyway, it's good time. And at this point in my life, I'm still able to read every email response I get from you guys. And I try and respond to every single one of them. Now, if you're listening to this into the distant future, maybe like my future self will be so fancy and famous. She'll like live on a cloud and ride a unicorn to work every day. Maybe that future self won't be able to read every email. But as of right now, I totally read my emails from you guys. So it's just a great way to stay connected. And I'm sort of distancing myself a little bit more from social media, so it really is the best way to stay connected. So head over there, bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe, and I'll see you there. Okay, on with the show. I am so excited for you to meet my guest this week. I am talking to Mark Champagne. Yes, that is his name. Like, I really wish I could reincarnate as Bronwyn Champagne. <laughs> such a great name. Anyway, Mark is best-selling author, mental fitness strategist. Yes, we are going to talk about that and host of the Behind the Human podcast. But today Mark and I are talking about his book, Personal Socrates: Questions that will upgrade your life from legends and world-class performers. And this book, you guys, it's so good. I love a good question. I think we can figure most things out in this world if we have access to the right questions. And Mark basically is like the Tim Ferris of questions. As he describes himself, he's like a sommelier, did I say that right? Of questions, a curator, a collector of really good questions, just like our man Socrates, which is why it's called Personal Socrates. Anyway, you're going to love this conversation. Mark is a treasure of a human being. And let this conversation sink into your bones and take you on a little journey right inside your big, beautiful self. Let's dive in. So I just want to just start by thanking you, first of all, for putting your work out into the world. I so appreciate Socratic thinking, Socratic questioning. In a world of blowhards and yappers and talkers and pontificators, I find it enormously appealing to be with people who are interested in asking good questions. So (sighs) I just want to honor your work. And I'd love for you to just tell us, in a world of pontificators, how did you land on questions as such a powerful force in the world?
0: (sighs) I kind of landed on questions by default through mental fitness practices and specifically journaling. Yes. And, you know, it started as a practice that I would get up a little bit earlier in the morning before heading into my corporate job for about a decade. And I was just using journaling and questions to really re-shift focus or shift perspective if I was struggling with something or trying to figure something out. And also to process emotion and all these different things. Yeah. Plus, help... Think differently, I think, is the other big one. Because often people think about journaling and some of these questions as dealing with high stress and emotionally charged situations, which obviously it's very helpful practice to do so. But then there's a whole other level of priming your mind and getting your mind into a state of, well, what if everything goes right? Write that out, visualize that situation, and set your mind into this place of possibility. So anyways, I was doing things like this for years And then eventually got to this point where there was one of these kind of scratch your itch moments of, well, I was doing a lot of this digitally because in the job that I had, I was traveling quite a bit. And I remember just thinking, because it was around the same time as the big meditation apps were starting to take off Headspace and Calm. It's like, okay, that's interesting. People are open to being guided digitally when it comes Mm -hmm. to at least meditation. But there was nothing that existed for... Guiding people into a journaling practice from a question standpoint, right? Or leveraging questions to do so.
1: I literally can think of a list of about five people who have asked me this exact question. Like, where is there the journaling guide that I'm looking for?
0: (laughs) Okay, Um, well, so that was the question. And I only share all of that because when I left that job to create, at the time it was called Kyo, K-Y-O, which is the Japanese word for today helping people Mm. focus on today and bring moments of reflection because that's all journaling is. The practice is reflection. Bring moments of reflection to anyone throughout the day. You don't have to wait to go on the silent retreat to get this work done. So uh, throughout that journey, essentially, it just started really leveling up my collection and curation of prompts because I was interviewing hundreds of people for the app and my own podcast and understanding from all these different life cases and industries and different types of people, right? Mm -hmm. Not just meditation teachers or yoga instructors, but writers like Michelin star chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs. What are the questions that have guided you in some of your most challenging times and on a frequent basis just to reset our minds when stuff happens? So yeah, so that's how it all came about. And I've somewhat turned in and I'm happy about this because I get to use the practices and benefit from the questions myself. But I seem to have turned into some sort of a sommelier of questions in a way, right? Like just how do we marry up a really quality question with a specific situation to make that situation better or that experience even better?
1: It's so incredible. And actually it reminds me of something I read in Susan Cain's book about introverts, something like the power of introverts in the world that can't stop talking. And what she talked about is that introverts are more likely to ask good questions versus make a bold statement or something like that. Sure. Do you consider yourself an introvert? Like, do you recharge by being alone?
0: I do. Yeah. I'm an only child. So.
1: Me too. <laughs> so, oh my God. I love they're it. They're a
0: special breed, right? Yeah. So, I do really appreciate the alone time, or I should say, I appreciate the time to think. I've noticed that myself. That has come up more and more. Like, even when I used to do a lot of one to one mental fitness coaching, which I really enjoy. And I love doing things like this and obviously podcasts. So, like, there's an extrovert part of my DNA as well. Yeah, I would even notice when coaching people that I provide or listen and provide prompts and so forth. But what I would really enjoy doing is actually providing my own mind some space to think and then come back and say, you know what, I've been really thinking about what we talked about and what you left with me. And here are a few prompts and practices that might help in a situation like this. Amazing. So, that comes back to, I mean, my happiest moments in a day are early morning hours where it's quiet and <laughs> you're same. the best. I mean, you're I'm the nodding best. my
1: head. Yeah. The same. That's when it's fresh, right? Yeah,
0: it's fresh. And there's just this beautiful moment of quiet and, you know, whether it's prompts or just free writing or just being present with that calm. For me, at least, that's where the ideas come up that's when, you know, I can hear the answers and the whispers right yeah. before the busyness of the day starts and so forth. So, yes, yeah, so I would say a bit of a long form answer to your question and probably say a mix of both, but I definitely, I would say, get kind of my superpowers from being, you know, an introvert in a way and prioritizing that mental space to think.
1: That's beautiful. And I want to ask this question on behalf of all of us that are just, you know, the past two years have been such a grind. It's been such a long two years. It's like a 10-year period shoved into a two-year period. Well said. What are the questions that you like to ask yourself when you're burned out or when you are this close to burned out?
0: For me, burnout is usually some sort of combination of our minds just being full. Any type of question that can help slowly release some of that mental pressure right? So understanding, so simple, simple prompts that over time and consistent use day by day really help do this. Yeah, How do I feel today? One word, right? As your coffee's brewing, your tea's steeping, your first glass of water again, before the busyness of life starts, how do you feel today and where in your body do you feel that? It sounds so insignificant, but just identifying what we're feeling and where it's showing up in our body often releases that emotion.
1: It creates a little bit of margin around it where you can actually be with it. So just to give you like a real example of this, it's just been a crazy month. I would say week, I would say two years. It's just been a really intense month. And next week I'm on jury duty potentially. And there's this really sick part of me that's like, oh my God. And I've had to block out my schedule because it's jury duty. And I'm like, oh my God, imagine if I don't have jury duty. And I have five days of no meetings. The thought just makes my heart happy. But what happens when you ask yourself, how am I feeling and what do I need? And the answer is just, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And there is no relief in sight. There's so many meetings, there's so many demands. What advice do you have for those of us that are victims of our own incredible productivity? Maybe we're the responsible for how crazy our lives are. Some of us are afraid to even ask ourselves, how do I feel? Because the answer is scary because it means you are this close to complete yard sale collapse out of exhaustion. And we're afraid to hear that. What do you say to people like that?
0: Well, first of all, we're human. Let's just acknowledge that we're all a work in progress and not to approach any of these prompts or practices with judgment. I mean, the other thing too is that everything's impermanent. Things may feel incredibly full and very busy, let's say this week, but we do have the opportunity to course correct and shift things around tomorrow or the following week, what normally doesn't happen. And the reason why, at least from my perspective, the reason why we get to these points of just being full and about to boil over, for example, is we don't slow down for those micro moment check-ins of actually acknowledging, yeah, I am tired. You know, what normally comes to tip us off on that is that, oh, my shoulders are really sore. My neck is starting to cramp up. And all of a sudden it's, I need a massage or something like that. But I mean, there's, all this mental pressure that's typically building before. It's right? so
1: true. And if you catch it in the before moments, it doesn't rise up. And it's so funny, just to give you some background on me, Mark, like I am a diehard journaler, die-hard. Yes. In fact, can we geek out for like a hot second here? Yes. Are you still a digital journaler or are you a written word journaler
0: now? So I have evolved to any medium that serves the purpose in the moment journaler, let's say. So I used to definitely be more on the digital front and hence the app. But then I started to become a bit of a paper snob with products from Baron Figs. They also published my book. So I've got (laughs) their journals. Actually, speaking about just like pressure in general, I feel like a big weight was lifted when I released this whole idea of oh, I have to have all the journals lined up on a bookshelf or I have to have all my entries recorded in one app so I can look back and just let it be, okay, you know what, right now in the moment, I need the practice of reflection to process what's happening and pen to paper feels like the right way to do it or my phone app feels like the right way to do it, whatever it is, to get the benefit of the actual practice Now you can just have fun with it. I leave myself audio notes. I'll do. There's a million different ways. Oh my God.
1: I can't tell you how much I love that because you're right. Sometimes I get locked in sort of the preciousness of it because I do have literally this, what is this brand? It's the only brand I use. And you hear that the MD notebook with the Midori. And the Mm. fact is that is prioritizing the stupid thing over the function, which is clearing out my head and, That was really helpful. So let me back up and get back to what I was going to ask you. So I just am reflecting because I'm so exhausted and so pressed right now. And so many people I know are. When you say it was building up in the days that precede, you're absolutely right. And the days that have preceded this one, I haven't been able to do my normal morning pages for lots of really good reasons. And usually I might miss one day here maybe two on a really weird day. This week has been so intense. I've missed three days in a row. So of course I'm exhausted. It's it's because I didn't have my little stopgap measures along the way. So I find that super interesting. And so the next question I want to ask you is, and I mean, I have a trillion questions to ask (sighs) you. But for example, I hate to make this a gendered conversation, but I'm just going to because I have a lack of sophistication around this. But it seems like journaling is somehow relegated to teenage girls in their bedrooms with their pink journal and their fluffy pen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why do we associate journaling with teenage girls? So many of my clients who are men are like, oh, I don't know, but journaling, like I'm not a chick. And I'm like, it's the most powerful psychological tool I know of. Why is that? Do you think?
0: It's something that I was up against when launching the journaling app and also why I've, I would say I speak of the practice more so in the terms of mental fitness, because then people can relate to physical fitness yeah. and mental fitness, in my opinion, is the big umbrella term for really anything that we're doing to train our mind to work for us instead of against us.
1: Uh, beautiful.
0: And it's also a bit of more of a motivating, like I choose to set up some sort of mental fitness practice and journaling happens to be one of those practices. I think the only thing that I can think about in terms of why that perception is out there is probably related to the entertainment industry and movies. Like we see that scene of like the candle lit or, you know, the beads in the background or what. like there's this perception of what journaling is, yet it's fascinating because the practice has literally been around since the beginning of time. And if you look at, a lot of the study I did for my book, I mean, I look at yeah. people like Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. You know, and I love I mean, Aurelius. There's the token journaler. Of and the, the book time. is
1: literally called Meditation. Meditations. Right. Yeah, like that's, Exactly. That's ancient, right? Yeah. So I think that might be
0: where it's coming from. I think what's important is that, and this is what I try to do with my work, is try to link up, mm-hmm. curate the practice and the prompts with the appropriate narratives behind them. So that's why I host my show. It's like, okay, well, if I'm talking to a group of executives about a practice like journaling, first of all, 100% of them are doing the practice. They're all reflecting. They're all thinking. Just can we do it with more intention and really Mm -hmm. focus on that? And then maybe I'll bring examples of, I don't know, billionaires or Olympic athletes that are all doing a practice like this and just Mm -hmm. make it relatable. Then all of a sudden you know, becomes really powerful.
1: And they see the value of it and they see yeah. themselves as journalers. Yeah. So one of the stumbling blocks we have with journaling and with mental fitness practices and something that I noticed in your book is our rational mind gets in the way. We get self-conscious and mm-hmm. we start watching ourselves in, not in a good meditative watcher sense, but in like a judgy sense. And you said there was a phrase in your book that you sent me that I didn't understand what it meant. And it, I think it connects to this. And you said something about reference Dan Doty somatic questions. What does that mean?
0: Basically like that check-in that I provided as an example, but questions mm-hmm. to help us get out of our head and into our body. We spend, again, linking back to this idea of our minds are very full and at capacity, we spend so much time up in our minds thinking of, we've got decisions to make, we've got Mm -hmm. relationships that are stewing that are potentially not serving us, but they're still there. The pressure is there. So if we can give ourselves a bit of a, it's almost like taking your mind to the spa for 10 minutes, give it a break, come into the body. And again, when you put your attention onto what you're feeling, where you're feeling it, it often releases because whether we like it or not, or whether we realize it or not, if we don't do this, that emotion, it's coming with us and it's jamming inside, it's clogging up mental real estate. It's mm. showing up with how we speak with others, how we think it's blocking that clear path on, okay, well, that's where I need to go. Because so it's just yeah. full, yeah. it's just full. So yeah, tapping into the body is so powerful. Even just Which priming never, exercises, just like moving the body.
1: I never... Ever do that in my journaling practice, checking with my body. Never. And I'm curious to see what kind of shift that will create. Okay. So now let me ask you a few questions about the people you've been speaking with. Okay. The high performance people. In your book, you have some people you've actually spoken with, and then you have historical figures. Like you'll have a chapter with Jane Eyre and a chapter with Robin Williams. And then there's Chip Connelly, who you actually spoke with in person. Of all the people you've studied and or interviewed, which conversation was the most surprising or the one that really stays with you? I'll answer it in a couple
0: of ways, because the other question I get asked a lot is just like, what are some of your favorite questions? And this relates to this.
1: that one's coming next. It's coming up, right, sure.
0: (laughs) So this relates, I can cover both at the same time. I mean, the most powerful questions or the highest quality questions are the questions that are well-timed and relatable for you right now in your life. I share that and I say that because it's the same thing with the profiles or the chapters I was writing on in certain individuals. So the ones that spark in my mind are people or inspired the prompts and the stories that were most useful for me personally, as I was actually writing them as well. So one of them was on kind of a combination of Picasso and Jane Austen, actually.
1: Interesting.
0: And Picasso was really interesting because, you know, I was studying his work and just his life essentially from a high level view, like a 40,000 foot view. And quickly started to realize that we all know of Picasso, we've all seen his work. And I started to notice that he has these legendary pieces of work in very different phases or appearances of his work there was the blue stage when he was depressed and his best friend had committed suicide. And then all of a sudden his work shifts into this like rose colored phase and happier colors. And he had met his, I think his girlfriend and then wife in that stage. And the reflection for me was, it's interesting because he's known as his entire body of work, not just the one phase. And isn't that the same thing that our lives are made up of? If we look at the different chapters and phases of our life. So what came up was Interesting. what color phase am I in right now? And Ooh. which colors have I gone through? And I started to notice like when I was in that corporate world, I was probably in the blues and the reds and like the really fast pace, let's go kind of yeah. stage. And I'm shifting out of that into a little bit more calmer colors to just mm-hmm. be more present and yeah. be more intentional with the work. Yeah. So that was a big one that spoke with me. And then it links up really well with Jane Austen, which is another take on kind of who am I now? Where did I come from? Where am I heading, for example? And it's the whole idea of her lives are made up of all these different chapters and also characters. You need all the characters to make the plot interesting and to make a really great novel. I think the biggest one though, is that again, just like full minds, we all have the power to write the next chapter.
1: Actually, that's a really interesting segue into something else I wanted to ask you, which is you and I both came from a corporate background where we were in that world. And then we both left for different reasons and at different times to go do what we do now. I do communication yeah. coaching. You are a writer and all the thing. You got a million jobs. Same with me. With the great resignation that's happening right now, I don't know. It sounded like you left for probably a million reasons. But one of the reasons you left is you wanted to engage more deeply with life and in a different pace and in a different way and exploring different things. Same. And I'm wondering, what do you think is going to happen to corporate America, corporate anywhere with this mass upheaval of people that are just, they're tired, they're unfulfilled, and they're unwilling to work the same way that they used to? If you were talking to somebody who's still in the corporate world, who's managing a team, who's like, I don't know what to do. I just had 40 people quit in the past two months. What questions would you be telling them to ask themselves?
0: And I mean, it's interesting to see what's happening because I really think it's basically the result of mass journaling happening or mass reflection, right? I mean, the whole world was forced into a pause, which then allows us to think. And then people start to think and they start to realize, well, wait a second, I am on autopilot. And then changes start to happen. So on the corporate side of things and leaders and teams and so forth, I think it's the same questions that you would ask personally. Like, where am I right now? How did I get to this place? And who do I want to become? Who do we want to serve in terms of our team members? Like, What do we need to do to evolve? Change is okay. It's just we have to slow down and give it some proper thought that, okay, all of this is happening. There's a reason for it. We can either kind of stick our head in the sand and ignore it or slow down and ask some questions. What can we do? What can we do to better our health and our support for our team? Like what type of people do we want on the team? Maybe it's a whole different crew, right? Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, the key is to sit down and really acknowledge that there's something shifting, something happening and decide where we want to go next.
1: And that's the hard thing for a lot of people. One Um, question
0: to unpack that's always a fun one is just what am I pretending not to know?
1: Oh, I love that question. I love that question. Talk about well-timed and relevant. At certain stages in my life, that question will surface and it is always so powerful. And the answer is usually right there. You know what I mean? Like if you're in the right mental state, it surfaces pretty quickly. What question am I pretending not to know? What are some of your other favorites? I have to ask your other favorite. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of curating questions. It's brilliant.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I mean, the one that I come to the most when I feel like my mind is filling up or feels like there's a lot going on and a lot of decisions need to be made is just, what am I hearing? What am I really hearing in the whispers here? Because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of distraction. There are a lot of, shiny objects that be like, oh, this seems like a really great opportunity. I'm excited. And you're acting on emotion. But Mm -hmm. if you really just still the mind long enough and it links to what am I pretending not to know? Like we know which path to take. We just need to listen. It's all there. Listen and facilitate the path for that answer to show up. Let our minds Mm -hmm. do the work. So Mm -hmm. that's usually a really good question to just quiet down the noise and really come out with, okay, what am I hearing? And you can stack that with, you can either answer that right in the moment with pen and journal or however you're journaling, or this is something I learned from Cal Fussman, legendary journalist and writer for Esquire and podcast host himself. He would leave a question like that before he goes to bed. And Mm. the first thing he does upon waking is answer that question. And he would do that to avoid any type of writer's block. And you say, what do I want to say?" I've used it in the sense of what am I hearing or what's the next step? And just let that sit, go to sleep. Your mind works the magic while you're sleeping, you wake up and it's unbelievable to see what transpires literally in let's say eight hours has passed and all of a sudden you have the answers.
1: God, that is so juicy. (laughs) Oh, it is so juicy. And maybe we can sort of start to bring this home on this issue but one of the things that's so challenging so i love journaling i love introspection i'm all about it and even i struggle with using my in between my liminal states during the day to go check social media or to read what the latest is with ukraine and russia instead of checking in and asking these questions as part of your you know mental fitness Regimens. When you work with people, do you help them with systems for avoiding stuff like that, for filling in the gaps?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think what's key is to really take a good look at your daily routine and your daily rituals. And it's not about adding things; it's about adjusting your schedule. So something just based on the example you gave, like usually mid afternoon is where stuff starts to go. Array, right? Yep, it's because right. we've our willpower is, has been beaten down. It's been a busy day. We start to become tired. And then all of a sudden, we were checking in on news and we're doing things that are out of alignment in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Like, that's the time to take a 10 minute walk in silence, mm-hmm. for example. Once you open up your definition of journaling and reflection, I mean, that's a period where you can go in silence and just go on a walk with one question and also just be present to what's around you, which by default is training your mind to see the details and training your mind to be more curious. And that shows up in your work as well. But it's those little moments that allow for those little mental resets and pause the stuffing of our minds essentially, right? And allows mm-hmm. for release. So that's mm-hmm. one example, but everyone's different. We've got to figure out what works for you.
1: I love that so much. Yeah, the other day I just sat in my backyard and it was a windy day and I just stared up at this giant tree that I can see in my neighbor's yard. And I just sat there and just watched the tree dance around in the wind. And it was such a form of rest. I was just noticing how beautiful it was. Nothing happened. I didn't get any great ideas. It just felt really nice to just watch for fun, for no other purpose. And it's so much easier to scroll than it is to go out and find a tree to watch. You know, it takes discipline to be that still, ironically. Yeah, but the
0: magic. And here's the thing, like with question, like what am I pretending not to know? Like we know this. We know that the endless scroll is not helping, right? We know that news headlines, those are putting us into... A negative state of mind. It's not going to foster good thinking. It's not going to put us in a beautiful state. Yep. We know these things. So it's just a matter of, if we know that, then let's put in some stop havens in there that will yeah. allow for, okay, if this happens, I default to one of the things on this list of, let's say five, staring at the tree, <laughs> calm walk, quick meditation, maybe yeah. five minutes of breath work. I don't know, yep. something, right? You make the list that you know will make your mind feel calm and at peace and put a smile on your face. That's the list that we need to be default into, And we can do that at any yeah. point. And it just shifts our mental state immediately.
1: It allows us to come home to ourselves, as I like to say. Yes. So one last question, and I swear I'll let you go. Mark, how do you structure your day? I'm fascinated by how <laughs> high performing people like yourself think about time and structure time. And I'm guessing that you have a little bit of magic around how you use time and how you make time work for you. And I'm just curious how you think about it, how you structure your day.
0: Your assumptions are correct. I definitely do prioritize the day in a very kind of strategic way. And I mean, the morning is definitely the most important for me. The way I set up the day is pre-day, morning, afternoon, and evening, essentially. And pre-day is the most important minutes of the day for me. And that's when I say pre-day, that's before I have to drop off my son to go to school, before work starts, before emails, all of that. It's the early morning hours. Mm -hmm. And that's where there's mental fitness, physical exercise, and just really starting the day on my own terms and motivated to essentially to rock. So that's a combination of reflection, learning and movement. The things that happen within that time, usually it's about an hour, change. Again, just like relieving ourselves of the definition of journaling, instead of saying, I have to meditate, I have to journal every single morning, just have your list of, again, practices that you know work for you. And then when you get up, you can say, oh, you know what? I feel like I need the spin class or I feel like I need the walk instead today. Then Mm -hmm. you go there. And then the rest of the morning, my calendar is typically blocked until about 11 o'clock in the morning. Same. You know, that's just the work. That's the deep work, the creative work, the writing is typically happening there. And then the other thing too, like it keeps coming back to this theme, I think, of our conversation of doing everything possible to not just jam our minds at full capacity. I'll often audit the afternoon. If I feel like this week, for example, is starting to feel like, wow, there's a lot happening in terms of meetings and whatnot. And I feel like I'm struggling to keep up with the things that I need to do. I'll immediately go to the next week and drag out that 11 a.m. block further into the day, just knowing, okay, you know what? Wednesday, I've got more time to just create space. Oh, beautiful. So it's just these like being kind to ourselves that, hey, you know what? I recognize I'm not feeling great. This is why And I have the opportunity and we all have the opportunity to make these subtle little adjustments that will make a huge difference. That's how it wraps. And usually the end of the day, I do my best. This doesn't happen all the time, but I do my best to take even five minutes before I leave my office and go downstairs essentially to wonderful little boys and my wife to check out with myself and like leave the day. And usually that's some sort of gratitude, like what went really well today? What can I celebrate about today? And just bookend the day like that so I can go in with a fresh mind for my family as well.
1: That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Well, I can't thank you enough, Mark. This was so fun. It was just what I needed today. And I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to meet you
0: right back at you. I mean, I'm finishing the day energized because of your awesome energy. So thank you. love
1: it. Love him. Love those questions. And my friend, as we head out today, ask yourself, what am I pretending not to know? What are the whispers telling me? Give yourself the gift of time and stillness and just space to move your hand across the page. And if you want to find Mark, easiest way to find him is BehindTheHuman.com, cannot recommend his book highly enough. It is personal Socrates, and it's available everywhere you can buy books. Hey, if you're still with me and you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest episodes delivered hot off the press, and feel free to share this with someone who could use a little inspiration. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am listening to or reading or digging right now. Also find me on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash this is Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N where I drop new content every Thursday covering strategies for getting more confident during moments of conflict. And speaking of conflict, if you're dealing with a tough client or work situation and you need better skills for managing difficult conversations, check out my new online course called the No Enemy Client Conversation. And that is noenemy.bronwencommunications.com. That's noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at BronwynSF, where I offer a lot of behind the scenes insights into how I make all this content and run my business for those coaches and solopreneurs who need a little inspo. And lastly, if your company organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker, who knows how to melt phases and blow minds virtually or in real life, I'm your gal. Shoot me a note, let's make some magic happen. That's Bronwyn at BronwynCommunications.com. Shine on, my friends. I'll see you next time.